He's risen. risen It's great to see all of you here this Easter morning. Welcome to all of you joining us online. I pray that God just ministers to you abundantly. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a standalone event. It's part of an epic story. And I want to talk to you for a few moments this Easter Sunday on this epic story. Usually when you have an epic story, it begins with some mission, some kind of you know, challenge. And, and that's definitely the case when it comes to uh, Christ's death and, and resurrection. So let me give you this introductory thought today. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is a story of a rescue mission carried out by God to save us because we rebelled against him and brought disaster on ourselves. So any good story has that kind of a a idea behind it. There's something that needs to be accomplished and done. Man, is that the case when it comes to Christ and his life and death and resurrection? The human condition is memorably articulated by Isaiah the prophet, who says this We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And, and we have a picture of some sheep up here. Oftentimes we think of sheep as these cute little animals, right? That, uh, that are furry and jump around. Um, and, and maybe you count them when you go to bed or whatever. Um, they're just a pain. Sheep are like the worst animal ever, okay? Um, and, and I don't know what overcame the Norway household, but we're in the country. We thought it'd be a good idea to have some sheep eat down the grass, right? Which really was a grave mistake. And those sheep constantly got in trouble. That's all they would do. All, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. I remember every year, for some reason, they didn't want to stay in our little four-acre pasture. They jump the fence and they go into the neighbor's pasture, especially in the spring when alfalfa was growing. Now, if you know anything about sheep, if they get into a fresh alfalfa field and they haven't been eating that, they'll eat it, they'll roll over on their back, blow it up and die. They're just not very smart animals. And one year, every day, those sheep were in the neighbor's alfalfa faster. And I thought, what's going on? Surely I'm smarter than the sheep, right? I can figure this out. So I watched. One old ewe would lead all the rest of them down to the, to the southwest corner of the pasture, and she'd just jump, just like that, jump right over the fence. And then, bing, 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 just like counting sheep jumping the fence, right? And then they were all in the neighbor's pasture. So I thought, I'm going to go to that one little section where they're jumping. And we had the four acres fenced in, and I made that fence about six feet tall for about 10 feet. And they never jumped it again, because sheep aren't very bright, they had four acres of fence. They could just easily jump. But once that little fence was put in, they quit jumping. So when Isaiah compares you and I to sheep, I don't take that as a compliment. <laughs> that, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We just naturally get ourselves into trouble. We're not real bright about life. Um, but God entered into this world uh, in the person of Jesus Christ to make a way for us uh, to, to come home, to come back to him, and by his, his, his crucifixion and then resurrection. He's risen. So the story of this epic story of Christ is summarized so well in the scripture that Pastor Aaron was, was quoting this morning um, from Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 5 through 11. I'm going to read that once again because it is a concise summary of the, of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his mission, and, and what it was all about. Listen to this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of, as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I love how that says that. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we could call this epic story, this drama, there and back again. It begins with our Lord in glory. He comes to the earth for a while, and then he returns to heaven glorified. It's a story that could be called there and back again. So here's our big thought this Easter Sunday that I hope you grab a hold of. The gospel story could be called there and back again. It begins with Jesus in glory, ends with Jesus being glorified. In between, he does not seek glory. Rather, he humbles himself. So it's glory to humility to glory. So let's just walk through this epic story uh, uh, once uh, this Easter very quickly. So I'm going to begin with in the beginning. So John's gospel account uh, of the life of Jesus Christ begins with the explanation of his eternal existence. So let's begin there. John chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning was the word. This is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. As Philippians 4, 6 says, Jesus was in very nature God. So here's a note, if you're taking notes. Jesus is eternally God and called the Logos, the Word, which is a term meaning the governing power behind all things. Jesus was adored and revered by all of heaven. He, he, he rightly received recognition and glory. Now, we frail humans, we don't understand heaven. We don't understand glory. We don't understand eternity really very well. It's more than we can imagine. It's, we can't conceptualize it. It's brighter and more beautiful than the grandest landscape you've ever seen. You see that landscape that we start, like Vicki and I are going to go to Utah here a little bit. It's like that. It's just gorgeous, right? It's a beautiful landscape. But heaven's grander than that. It's more glorious than that. A beautiful sunset. It's just a wink in the, in the, in the scheme of things when it comes to the glory of heaven. It's breathtaking. And, and we, give it, we get a glimpse of heaven a little bit of what, what, what that was all about, where, where Christ left, so to speak, on this rescue mission in this epic story of saving humanity. We get a little glimpse of heaven in the transfiguration and, and, and found in Matthew chapter 17. So Jesus is high on this mountain and he's there with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he, he gets transfigured. And he's shown, we're told, like the sun. And his clothes were white as light. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'll get up in the night to go to the bathroom. And you turn on the light, what happens? Isn't that annoying? Some of you who are younger, you don't know what that means yet. You will get to that place in your life. And you go, ah, I can't see a thing. My wife really likes to sleep in the dark. So we have these darkening curtains. Anybody relate to that on on the windows? So every now, I don't know why I never learned this lesson. I'll get up in the morning and I'll go, and I go, ah, especially when it's sunny out, you just can't see a thing. You get kind of all spots in your eyes, right? Well, take that times 10, take that times 100. That had to be the transfiguration experience. As John says in his gospel, Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
the glory of heaven made his dwelling among the brokenness of the world. He is risen, you say? He is risen. All right. Commercial time. All right. Since we're a culture that can do 10-minute spurts of things, we're commercial time here. All right. So I want to do some practicing for later. The word hallelujah is hardly ever used in our culture anymore, even in Christian circles. When I grew up, it was hallelujah all the time. Hallelujah means praise uh, the Lord. Um, And so in a few moments, you're going to get to practice using the word hallelujah. I just want you to know what it means. It means literally praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So hallelujah, our Lord came from glory. Praise the Lord, our Lord came from glory. And therefore, he's completely able to save those who give their life to him and trust in him. So let's move on to now the time in between. In, in the between time when Jesus dwelled on this earth. Let's go to that part of this epic story. We're often uh, one to, I think, believe we're better off than we are. And we're good at pretending, right? When I was at New Hope in Williston, I had an associate pastor there who became a really good friend of mine. And every now and then he would do some ministry or do a project. And he would kind of say tongue in cheek because it went well, right? He would say this, I'm better than I thought I was. Kind of like a joke, you know, well, that turned out really well. I didn't expect it. You know, I'm better than I thought I was. I think oftentimes we think we're better than we really are. We don't see how desperately we're in need of being saved. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, our Savior, he is better than we think he is ever. He is the best. And and here's something to consider. Our Lord didn't have to pretend to be great. He was in very nature God. He didn't cling to this right, though. He didn't take advantage of that. He didn't hold those privileges for himself, but he used that advantage for us to save us from our sins. The Lord became a real human being. He really dwelt among his creation. It doesn't mean that he was once God in glory and now he wasn't God incarnate. No, he was fully God. Fully God, fully man. Hard to understand? That's what it is. It's revealed truth to us. That's what we do with it. We just take it at face value. Um, But he never gave up anything when it came to being part of the Godhead. He was still fully God. He was still full of all those attributes. It doesn't mean that he was, you know, God-light, kind of a, 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 you know, a little bit of a human version of God. If he had done that, he wouldn't be Emmanuel, God with us, fully God present with us. Take away his attributes and no longer can he do the work that he did for us. And so our Lord, what he did was he laid aside the advantage of his Godhead. He willingly clothed himself with humanity. He willingly took on the form of a person. And and then he had to call out to God the Father and be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. His deity was contained in his humanity. His glory was veiled beneath his, you know, creature and humble life, his creature and humble life. He, He became one of us. He's truly God, truly man. And he lived as a servant of others. But more than that, in this time between on earth, he sacrificed himself to the furthest limit, death, and one of the most cruel deaths ever. Origin of Alexander, one of the uh, great early Christian theologians called, called the crucifixion this, the utterly vile death of the cross. Crucifixion was reserved for the enemies and the dregs of the criminal justice system in that time. And, and you know what? Jesus identified with just such people as he went to the cross. In the between time, where Jesus went from glory to humility and then back to glory, it's 
contains the surprise of the epic story. Whenever you're reading a story, you get to the point where the hero, something happens to the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story, right? Amen? He's the hero. He's the reason we're here. Uh, and, and he's crucified. And those of us who've been around Christianity for so long, we know it. It's lost its edge. It's lost its scandal. It's lost its shock to some degree. But think about this. Jesus leaves the glory and recognition of heaven where he's worshipped and adored. He comes to his creation and he dies a shameful death on a cross. The hero is slain. He's crucified. And and if I was writing this story myself, it would start with this dazzling rendition of heavenly hosts praising the Savior. And I don't know how you would describe it because it's indescribable. And then the, the hero leaves that dazzling land behind and he ends up in this place that hates him, that hangs him on the cross and kills him. It's scandalous. It's shocking. It's something that you wouldn't think would happen. Um, And there's just this cruelty to the cross. As Paul wrote these words in Philippians that were read today and and, and quoted earlier by Pastor Aaron, um, what we got to understand was that he realized, even as he's writing these words of Philippians, he being a Roman citizen would never ever have to go through the undignity of being crucified on a cross, even if he committed a crime. They didn't do that to Roman citizens. It was too too much of a shameful death. It was reserved for the outcast of, of, of culture, but it was right for the Son of God. So Jesus came from heaven's highest glory, friends, to the Roman Empire's deepest shame, death on a cross. From any perspective, this was the lowest point in the Lord's humbling. I mean, it's humbling for God to put on humanity and become one of us. It had to be just humbling. It had to be kind of strange. But in his dying on the cross, he made himself a curse on our behalf. Curse is the one who hangs on the tree, the Bible tells us. He became sin for us, taking on himself the judgment of sin that we so rightly deserve. The hero died for us. This is an epic story, man. From glory to humility. Yet, I don't think Christ was ever more lovely personally. I don't think he was ever more endearing. I, I, in the eyes of his church, when he was most degraded, he's most loved. Christ, the loving bridegroom, took the sins and sorrows of his bride and he buried them forever. I want you to consider this reflection thought. Jesus could produce a universe with a word. He's the Logos. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, Christ created with a Word. He spoke the universe into being. Yet, get this, it required his incarnation, death, and resurrection to produce a church of ransom people like us. Ever think about that? Here's a God who spoke, and things were created. Yet, to produce this body that we're experiencing right now, it required his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. You ever think about that, church? It causes you to go, oh. So we're going to do something a little bit different here because you ought to be saying amen or hallelujah or something. So I'm going to coach you up. We practice this, right? We're all going to say hallelujah, praise the Lord, that 
Jesus is part of this epic story of this rescue mission of incarnation and death and resurrection for us. So we're going to say hallelujah together. I'm going to count to three. And you're going to say it extraordinarily loud with me, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I was thinking on the message this morning, and I'm thinking, Jesus, your mercies are new every morning. Your faithfulness has no end. Your salvation is great. And I found myself praying, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Reveal Christ to people. Make Christ known. Make him great in our sight. Cause us to believe in Christ and seek Christ and receive Christ and walk in faith in Christ. Easter is all about Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. It's Jesus Christ, amen? It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. If the one nailed to the cross is truly Emmanuel, which he is, God with us, what's your viewpoint of God? If you see him as tyrannical this morning, you're wrong. If you think of him as harsh and judgmental only, that's not a right, right view of God. He's the cross. He's the, he's, the, he's the God who at the cross gave, 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 gave. Went to a low, low, low. I mean, just to become one of us is humbling. It's, 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 it's restrictive. But to go to that cross is the lowest of low that you could possibly do. I, I just see Jesus going down and down and down to the valley of death to get to our level. And I just find my heart burning with love for him. Amen? Amen. That our God would come and condescend to us. And the good thing is that's not the end of the story. So let's go to the end. In the end, there's exaltation of Christ once again. I got to read uh, Philippians 4, 9 through 11 for us once again this morning. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess and every tongue acknowledge, excuse me, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's this magnificent ending, this magnificent finish uh, to this epic story. The world may not understand Jesus Christ, but the Father did. The Father looked at his beloved Son, who was so obedient and he's so delighted in him. He exalts Jesus to the highest place. And God says, at your name, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess who you are. And, and the father looked at the son and I, he loved him abundantly and he was delighted in the son. So after having coming down and down and down, Jesus is lifted up and up and up. It's a classic ending to an epic story. The hero is restored, amen? And we know this is a true story. It's not a made-up fairy tale. It is a true account of God coming to his creation and rescuing his creation from their brokenness and depravity. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Tomb is empty. He is risen. risen We had this really neat picture of a tomb, and you're looking out at the cross here. I I just love this picture. Yeah, it is a good picture. Listen, friends, in Jesus. He's not on the cross. It's done. 
Our sins have been atoned for. The cross is empty. The work is finished. Hallelujah. The tomb, likewise, it's empty. He's been raised from the dead. Death could not contain him. So when we see Christ and we see the story of Christ, we should look through an empty tomb and see the empty cross. The work's done. The story's been completed. And God exalted his son to the highest place. He now sits at the Father's right hand. But he keeps his humanity. He's still clothed in humanity. He's gone from glory to humility. And as he goes back, he's glorified. And he keeps his humanity. It's like a good shepherd. He's one of us. He's our sympathetic high priest now who brings our needs before God the Father endlessly praying on our behalf. He's been lifted to the throne to share his eternal and victorious life with all who put their faith in him. It's a great story. It's the best story ever for humanity. And God has given him the name that's above every name. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's a name that every knee is going to bow to and every tongue is going to confess, whether willingly or unwillingly. The Bible says that we're going to come before him and we're going to make confession. And here's what I'm going to tell you, friends. Do it willingly. Because every day, because someday, every knee is going to bow before Jesus Christ. And he will be acknowledged. And we have the honor and we have the privilege and we have the opportunity to do that now. To do it willingly and to be part of the, monk, uh, part of the one's who experienced this blessing uh, of, of, of God so mightily in Jesus. The, the Father's deepest passion is that his son's name is lifted up and that people recognize Jesus Christ for whom he is and give their allegiance and faith uh, to him. And in the end of time, all his enemies will be defeated and those who love Jesus will enjoy his triumph and exalt his name forever. And we're living in the middle of this epic story. Do you see it? You're part of the story. Isn't that cool? Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you're giving your, if you're giving your heart to him. You're part of the story that's unfolding. It's such an awesome kind of thing. It's wonderful news. Because of the name of Jesus, we can be saved. His name simply means Savior. Jesus is our Savior. You know, a good story, especially if it's kind of a fairy tale, but this is not. I want to make that abundantly clear. It has a forevermore ending. Have you ever noticed that? I used to read to my kids, and whenever you'd read about something forevermore, uh, they were happy or whatever. Well, this is a truly forevermore story. And the forevermore story here ends this way. Jesus means Savior. He's forevermore our Savior. It never ends. We'll always glorify him. We'll always give him uh, the honor. And I urge you to... No Philippians 2, brothers and sisters in Jesus. I urge you, no Philippians 2. It is a short version of the most epic story ever written. It's one of my favorite sections of the Bible because it's so concise and so to the point. Jesus came from eternity, from glory. He started in glory. He came on a rescue mission to save us from our sins. That involved his painful death, shameful death, on a cross, but God didn't leave him there. He raised him from the dead. The tomb is empty, and he's now glorified and sits with God the Father. It's so cool. One final thought here, one final thought in Ephesians chapter 2. Many scholars 
think that this was a, a hymn or a creed, what I just read to you this morning. If you notice in your Bible, it, 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 a lot of Bibles will have it in special kind of format, like a poetry format, instead of just normal prose, okay? It'll be in, 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 in a poetry. Because in the early church, it was viewed as a creed or a hymn where the brothers and sisters would get together and they would recite it because it was such a good short version of the gospel story of Jesus Christ. Here's my prayer for you today, this Easter, that you know this hymn, that it sings in your heart. Do you ever have something to sing in your heart? Will you just kind of hear it over and over and over again? I want that to be the case. We've read it to you a couple different ways this, this morning. I would encourage you, memorize this scripture. Put it into your heart. He came from eternity. He came from glory. He came to humility, and he returned back glorified to God the Father. This is an epic story, and this is what Easter is all about. Would you bow your head, please? God, our Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ has indeed died for our sins, and he has been raised from the dead by your mighty power, and that same power that raised him from the dead dwells in those of us who have given our lives to you, Jesus. We praise you because your story is a forevermore story, Jesus. You forever live on as our Savior. And nothing now can separate us from your love that's in the God the Father. Empower us this day, holy, uh, holy God, by your Holy Spirit to live out this life in Christ that's been made available to us. And prepare us for that day when we'll meet you face to face along with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I wanna pray a special prayer this morning, Lord, for anyone sitting in this building or listening online today. I wanna pray for the, anyone that doesn't know if they're saved or not, doesn't know if, if they've given their life to Jesus or maybe know that they haven't. I pray that such a one, even in the quietness of this moment, even in the, in, the, in, the, in the prompting of the Holy Spirit of this moment, that such a one, Lord, would admit, I am that sheep that have gotten astray, that, that Isaiah talked about. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray, Lord. And I just pray that that one would admit, I'm a sinner, God, and I am hopelessly lost without you. And in, in the quietness of this moment would say, Jesus, you're my Lord, my Savior. I receive you into my heart by faith. And I pray, Jesus, go to that person in power and might and strong and your strength. And may they be born again in you to a new life, a life that has a forevermore ending of, with you in it, Jesus. And I pray that you would fill such a one even right now, Lord, with the person of the Holy Spirit. So they live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Lord that they're part of this epic story that we discussed today. And God, I don't know where anyone's at. Sometimes we're tired, and like Pastor Aaron was saying earlier on, man, we've gone through some ups and downs. The last couple of years have been just crazy. And I pray today more than anything, Lord, that all of us would cling to you, Jesus, and that your name would be the centerpiece of our existence. May it be so by your grace and by your power, Jesus. In your name, amen. He is risen.